Welcome to Now for Someone Completely Interesting. I'm your host, Ben Poulin. Now, normally what I would do is have a prepared introduction and uh, lead into this, which I did have and which I did do, but <laughs> it's kind of confession time. Um, <laughs> I did this whole podcast two nights ago with my guest here and uh, due to technical difficulties after all was said and done and she went home back to her family uh, that didn't save properly. There was massive uh, portions of our interview that did not save, did not record, so I could not release it. Thank goodness she was kind enough to uh, offer to do this again and sit in on this. So Brianna Malcolmson, welcome so much. Uh, welcome back, Thank I guess, you. in a sense. I'm really grateful. I'm so embarrassed and flustered by this whole situation that Don't it, it didn't work. So. <laughs> Don't be. It was just another reason to get together. Oh, there you go. Yeah, you had so much the first time. Yeah, you, yeah we couldn't resist. So yeah. uh, for technically for the second time, welcome back. Um, now, in what I had actually prepared last time was uh, a couple nights ago when we did do the original podcast here, at, it was, to my recollection, the first time we had met face to face. And uh, I, I was excited as to, uh, you know, kind of get to know you. And there was a couple things that, uh, that definitely stood out. First of all, you had been recommended by several people to be on this podcast, including two of my uh, uh, previous guests. So obviously there was uh, a lot of interest in, in having you on here. So um, we're kind of going to go through the motions again a little bit because there was a lot of interesting stuff that came up and, and starting kind of right from the beginning. And uh, yeah. it was, so you were born and raised in St. Paul, born correct? Born and raised at the St. Therese Health Center. <laughs> yeah. Born there, raised the rest of my life. You mentioned too, did you say you, uh, you asked your mom if she could still remember which room yeah, it was? Yeah, and I think she, I'm pretty sure it's the same room that I later delivered our window in, which is room 207. Um, okay. So yeah, no, second floor baby. Um, so uh, went to school in St. Paul Elementary all the way up through high school. Yep. Um, and then post-secondary, you went into education, correct? Right. I, so I started with my arts degree. Um, I got that through the U of A, Grand McEwen U of A um, transfer program, and I uh, worked a day and decided that was not going to be what I did for the rest of my life. I thought I was going to save the world with a Bachelor of Arts in Psychology and Sociology <laughs> minor and learned really, really quickly that that is not so much the case. You can't do much with an arts degree, um, mm -hmm. everybody. don't know if you know that. <laughs> um, so yeah, I applied right away to get my ed degree. So went to Concordia and got my, my education after degree and um, yeah taught uh yeah got it got a job right out of college or university sorry right and went down to Airdrie lived a year in Airdrie while commuting back and forth after meeting a guy <laughs> um from Murnham um and yeah drove went, up and down highway two went went all the way to Airdrie just to meet a guy from Murnham right as you do <laughs> um and you're moving so we met in May originally and then right. like formally met each other again in June um, and I was to start teaching in September. So of course you meet somebody right, right as soon as yes, you're going to move. Course. So it seems like a good <laughs> idea. So he was still at the university. So we, uh, yeah, commuted back and forth up highway too. Uh, so you, okay. So you started teaching, uh, you said you were in Airdrie. Yeah. Um, what kind of teaching, like what, what grades, I guess, were, were you? Uh... So I was a grade three generalist. Um, so tiny little farming community called Catherine, Alberta, just outside Airdrie. Okay. Um, it is just a school in a field. Like if you oh, passed wow. the fence, you were in someone's field. There was, <laughs> there was no actual community to it. It was just a school. Um, so taught out there as a grade three teacher. So I taught everything, all the subjects like you would mm -hmm. in a typical elementary classroom. 
um, except I didn't teach my own phys ed. The principal taught my kids phys ed, so taught them everything. How long were you there for? Just one year. Just one year, uh, okay. Because my husband decided, or my boyfriend at the time, decided he wanted to move home. He wanted to be close to his mom because he's a mom's boy, <laughs> um, close to his folks because he's still very close with them. Right. Um, so he moved me. I decided I would move back up and right. uh, start looking for a job. And I had no problem. I, I got a job right away teaching uh, in Two Hills. So, okay. Yeah. At the same kind of teaching when you were in Two Hills? I was a grade six teacher. Okay. Taught grade, uh, grade six language arts and dabbled in all sorts of options. And um, then um, I'm the coordinator of student support. Still am the coordinator of supports, which is just somebody who does all the IPPs, the paperwork for students with disabilities. Okay. Um, and yeah, and then that's how kind of I transitioned to SPAKE, which is... right outreach school and that's and that's kind of where uh it piqued my interest because we kind of hear about this and there's a lot of communities that have the uh so it's saint paul alternative education center is what that yep. stands yep. for okay so you've been there how long now i'm pretty sure it's seven years okay yeah yes um why did you decide to go into that as like to to, to move from the i guess more conventional education system to something that's a little bit different and yep. and a little bit more tailored to special needs or circumstances we should say um i've always been somebody who just uh advocates for those people who can't necessarily i worked at a group home for special needs kids um i was an ea when i was in university working with you know one-to-one students so i've always kind of been in and around youth um and so when I was teaching out in two hills, there was an EA and myself that, and we ran a room and it was just kind of like this hodgepodge of kids who needed a one-off course. Or, mm-hmm. um, I taught math 20 three to these four boys. Cause, uh, when you're in a smaller school, there isn't the opportunity to have a whole range of classes. So I was teaching these boys math 20 three, cause that's what they needed. Um, and then I had kids doing forensics, kids doing language arts. And so we kind of became this like little in reach within our school. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I kind of, um, I, I had worked a lot with, uh, the principal at the time, which Janice Minch, um, just in, w- within the coordinators world. So she kind of, you know, proposed me coming to town. So after five years of teaching two Hills, I, broadened my horizons and and came over to the outreach world full-time so okay now i let's not just pigeonhole i guess that it's 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 a special needs course or anything like that that's actually not at all what it is um and and i think that's always been a little bit of my misunderstanding about it until we had actually talked uh two nights ago there but um what are some of the circumstances that brings students into this program so outreach um, definitely has like that bad boy image, right. you know, that it's kind of the uh, bad kids, they don't fit to school, the misfits, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is not that at all. We have kids who are extremely academic and want to get through courses faster. So we'll have kids start their diploma courses in September and end in November right. um, to kind of shrink it or they'll finish their high school within two and a half years. There's a program um, called Knowledge and Employability. It was, if you were a student way back in the day, it was like IOP. Um, we had IOP courses. Um, so Caney just allows kids to work through a little bit faster, work on their foundational skills. So we have a lot of kids that are doing that because they've missed, uh, you know, a few years of education. Mm -hmm. Um, and it, and it's, uh, a great fit for kids who have anxiety, social anxiety, or they can't make it five days a week or young mothers, kids who right. have jobs, all that sort of stuff. Right. And it's not like a conventional classroom setting either. 
Not at all. So in my classroom, um, there's never, we have an EA that circulates around and I circulate around, but there's kids working on every course. Nobody is sitting down and working at the same pace mm-hmm. or the same course at all. Um, there's kids working on the 10-4, which would be KE, but then there's kids working at 30-2, which is like your diploma courses. So, right. and they're side by side working at their own pace, doing their own thing. So um, there's no teacher in front, you know, giving a grand lesson that everybody has to right. listen to. It's it's quite quiet and calm throughout the day. So, mm-hmm. is there a way? And we had talked about this before too. Is is there a way that um, if there's an individual, a student, teenager, young adult that's that that thinks this might be a fit for them, how would they, I guess, go about finding out more or or whether or not it is something that would work for them? What's the did they just kind of drop in and visit you guys? They or is totally there... could. Okay. Yeah, we love visitors. Um, okay. We love visitors that bring coffee, just so everybody <laughs> knows that. Um, we take whatever. Um, but no, they can check us out on Facebook. We have a Facebook page, okay. Snakes Bird. Um, and, or they could just call the school. Um, we have 645-5015 is our phone number. Um, and yeah, we're kind of at that point in the school year where it's kind of dying out, but um, definitely looking for students for next mm-hmm. year and yeah well it might be a good opportunity a little bit quieter a little less uh, I don't know if there'd be an intimidating factor or not but yeah when you're when you're trying to assess yourself as far as where you want your education to go maybe it's uh, yeah um, and so you guys are uh, you're not necessarily part of the regional high school but nope. in St. Paul but you're attached like physically attached to the schools we're where... attached yeah apparently okay. way back in the day it was the woodworking area of the high school so if you were in high school at the regional moons ago (laughs) it was the woodworking area so and then it became the tech department and now it's our little Mm -hmm. wing of the world so (laughs) all right um so you mentioned coffee yes i'm glad you did that was a good segue hey (laughs) i didn't even plan that um so like I said, there, there, there's two facets that really stuck out when, uh, when well, well, it was actually on this podcast, Brenda Rosenchuk mm-hmm. had recommended you to, to be on this podcast, but also a, uh, a mutual friend of ours, Missy Finley, yeah. who was also a previous guest. Um, it wasn't on the podcast, but there was a, a few times that she's actually recommended. And one of the times was we had gone to her house, I think it was just after New Year's here this year, and uh, we had brunch and she served up a cup of uh, coffee and said, uh, these beans were roasted by a friend of mine and we tried that. And then I think it was four or five cups later that I said, yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. Um, thank you. <laughs> so, okay, let's start out. It's called Backroad Farmhouse Roasting Company. Absolutely. Okay. Um, usually when we're thinking coffee, yes. we're thinking somewhere in South America on a plantation or You've got some sort of big import facility, but yeah. this is a this is a local business here. Yep. Um, tell us how. Well, first of all, how do you get into roasting coffee? Um, so I'm pretty fortunate. My husband works away, uh, so we've been. You know, my my twins were born in Toronto because that's where he was working at the time, and then okay. um, since then we've been in BC. So we were in the lower um, lower mainland for three years and now this will be our third summer in Clearwater which is just about an hour outside of Kamloops okay um so I'm very fortunate I get to go to all these farmers markets all summer long because you know teachers (laughs) that's when we vacation um so I everywhere I went I just kind of saw these like coffee roasters and you know one-offs of people selling coffee and if I can get to a market anywhere like I will drive multiple hours to get to 
like Christmas markets or any kind of market. I'm that's my jam. Um, so yeah, they're kept there were the, all these coffee roasters and I was like, I could do that. So, um, I told my husband, I'm like, I think we should start roasting coffee. And he said, you're crazy. Um, <laughs> but no, he, so he bought me a little coffee roaster as a mother's day present. And, um, so it was May and I'm, um, roasting at home occasionally. And mm-hmm. he would, you know, how, how's it going? I was like, no, I'm going to bring it for the summer. So I took it with me to Clearwater and then, you know, we would sit there at night and roast coffee. And it's just this like nice little tumbling sound of beans and popping. It's, um, I'm making it sound so romantic, but it really it <laughs> smells like burnt beans. But oh. anyway, um, so it's, it's tumbling away. And then we, he just kind of, took it over a little bit and he started like really doing some research and um he would look at the weather outside and like the temperature outside and the barometric pressure and or the atmospheric pressure anyway and he had all sorts of like just strategies and um, charts and things so he was roasting things for me and then uh I was coming home to go back to work and he's like are you gonna take that home and I said like I really don't have time at all um we had just bought the farmhouse I was like, no. And he's like, okay, well, I think I'm going to roast coffee. So he started roasting and roasting and he found his distributors and all sorts of stuff. And it, uh, it went from there. He, he <laughs> took it over. So, so technically he's the coffee he's roaster. He's the roaster. I'm just, I said today, I'm like, I'm being terrible. I haven't posted on social media in so long, but it is what it is. Um, it's called Back Road Farmhouse. Uh, why, why did you choose that name? So um, Jay and I, during uh, the COVID run, we decided we wanted to live in the country. We had dirt bikes and we had quads for the kids and snow machines and we lived in town and that just right. didn't work for me. So we uh, we bought a little piece of land, a nice little 23 acres um, just outside of town and uh, 1930s farmhouse. And that's how it started. We we bought this farmhouse and started renovating it. Right. That was my COVID project was I'd put the kids to bed, run out to the farmhouse and sand stairs or take up flooring. And I hired high school kids to come and rip down plaster and lath and all sorts of stuff. <laughs> so it became this little adventure. So we named it the back road farmhouse, right. um, just so people could follow us along with us on Facebook and Instagram. Right. Right. Um, because I have watched countless hours of, Fixer Upper, uh, <laughs> Island of Brian, all sorts of gotcha. HGTV shows. So, um, you did you did mention at one point too, though uh, the it, it had a lot of historical relevance to the area. Like it's uh, the family that originally owned it. Yeah. still still around here. And- totally. So the as far as I know, um, it is one of the two Belzel brother brothers that came and settled, um, in the area and they were big farmers from America is what I've heard. So they had this big cattle ranch, um, between the two. So there's my yard and the the brother built across the yard, which is now like the Labant, um, house. Okay. Mrs. Labant. So yeah, the two brothers built these brick houses and they lived there. And so there have been multiple, like countless children Mm -hmm. raised in the house. There's been weddings at the house. There's been people that have spent their wedding nights in our house. So it's been so much fun to like have people message and say, my mom and dad were married there, or that's my aunt or anything. And it's been, it's, it's been amazing. It's been so cool. When you were renovating the house, did you ever find anything like any little historical trinkets or or um uh, keepsakes or mementos that that might have been forgotten over time i really wish i had like really cool things we found pennies um we found which were cool like they were really old pennies um we found a really cool hanger 
um, mm-hmm. that later I had put away and later got tossed in, um, not by me, but <laughs> I'm, I don't know who to blame. So I just blame all of them, um, that my hanger's gone. Um, but no, just even like the doors, the doorknobs, like they're all solid wood doors yeah. and really old iron or, uh, brass handles. Like we tried to keep as much as we could, um, while still modernizing it and making it a little bit. Is it kind of a neat thing to kind of mesh the two passions? I don't know. Absolutely. Coffee to me seems to have an old timey feel to it as well. So it, it's it seems a slow, almost, yeah. right? Like it, when I, I try anyway to drink my coffee and it's like, ah, <sighs> it's a little bit slower. Um, just a little bit back to the coffee then. So yeah. it, roasting the coffee itself, like, okay. So obviously there's no coffee bean plantations there around here. So how do you, how, where do you get your your beans from? How does that all work? So right now we aren't big enough to kind of know any farmers or you know right. have any contact with um, sources right down you know in in the countries that we're buying from. So we buy from a distributor, a smaller distributor in Vancouver, okay. and she sources all her beans from the farmers. So it's um, like they, she gets the organic beans from them, then we buy from her and roast it and sell okay. it. Okay. So. Um, the roasting itself like it is there we've all heard of like flavored coffee stuff right. like that um what what goes into that like is it part of the roasting process or I've, not, I've never I've never found anything out there yeah no not so much it's um so you would you would find a lighter bean you typically do your I guess you don't have to we typically um roast our flavored coffees a little bit lighter okay um so we like to use the Guatemalan bean so we use that and then you just add oils after so we have an Irish cream and uh a Islander grog which is like a rummy butterscotchy type coffee flavor um so we add that after so you've already roasted it then you add your oil and let it all kind of dry and cool and okay so the oil that i kind of adds the flavors to it oil does yeah what the roasting itself would be like how dark how light absolutely that's the process of that yeah exactly um so your coffee now is available for purchase. Yes. In in We're moving on up. Where where would you find it? So Miss Deb Poulin is just so kind, <laughs> and um, I know she's had that as her mission for a long time to be a little bit more farm to table, locally sourced, right. right? So we are very fortunate. I've worked for Deb um, back when Brenda and I were trying when we were getting married, um, not to each other, but <laughs> might maybe one day. Who knows? Um, but not yet. So Brenda and I were both um, engaged to be married and we were working at the golf course right. where Deb was the chef. So I've known Deb for a long time, right. but before that, my sister-in-law worked for her. Um, so yeah, we've always just known who Deb was. So right. um, we're very fortunate. She jumped on board right away and scooped us up. I know her too. Yeah. A little bit. Hey, a <laughs> little bit. Yeah. Um, so of course, just, uh, so we're talking about Deb, that's at the twisted fork here in St. Paul. That so, is. okay. So, um, you can buy the coffee there. Is there anywhere else that you guys have, uh, not yet. Okay. Um, I've done some markets, um, and I definitely want to try to get out there a little bit more. I'm hoping that we can get out a few more places in the Lakeland mm-hmm. area. Um, but we're also kind of limited right now because when we say small batch, we are right. really small batch. Like Jay, that was going to be my next question. Yeah. Like how much are you actually producing with uh, a single coffee roaster? Right. So Jay does about 200 grams per batch. Okay. Um, so not very much like no. that's half a pound ish. Right? right. So he can get that going and it takes about 12 minutes of roast. Okay. Um, so he can do quite a bit in a short period of time cause he works away with, right without the children so there's no bothers for him it 
sound so dreamy um being the mom <laughs> but he he works very hard all day long he's up you know extremely early and then he'll roast coffee for me mm-hmm. in the in the evening so uh, here's a question I'm going to ask because I, it, I, I overlooked it the last time we talked, but you had mentioned there too, because he, he did some research, some investigation. Yeah. We're talking like very scientific stuff. Bear. What, I know. What does your husband do? So he's an environmentalist okay. um, by trade. So he went to U of A for his Bachelor of Science in Environmental right. Studies. So um, he is a environmental inspector right now. For, I see. Okay. So, but like dirt, you want to get a guy excited about life. Talk dirt with jeremy and it's like i don't so the, even know this whole coffee roasting thing is right in his kitchen he no pun intended yeah exactly it, <laughs> yeah kind of is both ways no and he he's really like jumped on to yeah like the the sounds it makes and all sorts of stuff so it's been nice it's been cool to watch him right. develop a hobby so does that mean when he's working away the coffee roaster goes with him it goes with him so okay. he's shipping it all home to me so we've kind of we we are local we're like 100 percent right, right? He, he crossed a river to get to me and <laughs> or i crossed a river to get to him i guess um but we are very local right, so right. it is you know it's not necessarily roasted here yet because he is still working away right um but hopefully one day that's uh, any plans to expand on the either get another roaster or anything like yes, that? Yes. So we do. We have a five kilogram roaster we've affectionately called Cheryl. <laughs> um, so she she's living in the garage right now, and we're hoping to get her set up. But um, Clearwater is like a town of a thousand people, so to right. try to get tradesmen and that sort of thing, we've been very fortunate. But um, we haven't been able to get her working a hundred percent yet. So mm-hmm. she has not yet turned coffee and. So can I ask why you named your roaster Cheryl? So Cheryl is uh, really nice and red. She's a beautiful red Turkish machine. And she she's named after our friend Bud, who lives with us in Clearwater. He's uh, like a, a dear, dear gentleman. Um, and he's the reason it's called Sea Legs Sumatra. Okay. So he owns a company in Ladysmith um, called Sea Legs Kayaking Adventure. If anybody ever goes out to Ladysmith, check All them right. out. Um, so his, yeah, he, his wife is named Cheryl and (laughs) she is just an absolute treat. And when they met, um, the first time he like really fell in love with her, she was wearing a red skirt. I think it was. Ah. So when I saw the reds, we just affectionately called her Cheryl. Does, uh, does she know that there's a coffee machine named after her? I'm pretty sure Bud would have told her because Bud like is like loves that sort of thing. That's his, (laughs) that's his heartstrings is when you can put his family in there. So. Um, we're, we're going to have to do, <laughs> I think at some point we're going to have to, we've talked about this before, get yes. together again. And, uh, cause now you've mentioned, you've named a coffee after him. You've named a coffee yes. maker after, um, I'm fascinated by where, like, um, originally we did this at the Lakeland Brewing yes. Company. And uh, I do have plans in the works to to get Colin back on this podcast, and we're going to talk about the story behind the names of all the beers yes. he's done, or as many as we can fit into yes. thirty minutes, if that's possible. But uh, he's going to tell us about the beer. I'm going to sample the beer. Uh, that's a but- great idea. <laughs> Call me if you need backup. <laughs> you know what? We, that that might be one of the first times we do this with a live audience. That's then exactly. We can all uh, enjoy it together there. Yeah. But, um, and, but I'm thinking maybe that's something down the line here because I'm, I'm actually quite interested um, with the history of the house that you guys are yeah. in and, and that kind of stuff too. I'm, I'm fascinated by old buildings history. They, mm-hmm. there's, um, there's a Facebook page called Abandoned Alberta. Yes. And I could stare at those pictures all, all it, the, the individual. I don't know who the, the person is that ran, and I think yeah. they've released a book, but it's pictures. We have of, the book. 
we oh, got the book for oh, Christmas. Fantastic. Yes, it's on okay. my coffee table. There you can come you look at it. Perfect. Yes. So I'll come enjoy the book. And yeah. what an appropriate place to have that book, yeah. even though the house isn't abandoned, but uh, but well preserved. So yeah. um, we'll we'll maybe get into more about that. Um, maybe book a time, maybe when your husband's not working and we Fabulous. can get him on this as yes. well and uh, some of his insight. And then as well as talk about the uh, the story behind all the coffees. For sure. So we can That'd sample coffee there. So Absolutely. Um, okay. Brianna, and I, I of, course, <laughs> of course, there's no more secrets here now on this I podcast. Know. <laughs> now you know. Um, the way we wrap this up, uh, you're someone here who's been recommended by several people as someone yeah. completely interesting. So, of course, we're going to have you on this show. But now I'd like to know if you had to come up with a name of someone you find completely interesting. Yeah. Not saying they have to come on the show. Yeah. But if they want to, we'll make the arrangements and, yeah. and do this all again. Who would you recommend? I would really recommend uh, Miss Janice Mill. So right. she's uh, a local girl, uh, like local now, married right. a local guy, um, and she's just a, a wonderful, wonderful human. Right on. Perfect. So, so well, maybe you want to pitch it to her, see if she'd be interested in something I'll throw like a, this. I'll throw a text to her, yeah. <laughs> I'll tell her and she'll be like, what did you do? No, no, no pressure, <laughs> no pressure. Um, but thank you again, not only for agreeing to do this initially, but bearing with us with the technical difficulty no we had a couple problem. nights ago. This has gone, uh, well, both went very well. I just I just wish I had both here to yes. uh, to share with everybody. But I think we got the gist of, of, of what we did before. So again, I want to thank you so much for uh, taking the time twice now in the same week to uh, join me on this podcast. Uh, this has been once again, Brianna Malcolmson. On now for someone completely interesting. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. Thank you. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please make sure you find us on your favorite podcast provider. Give us a like, give us a subscribe, and uh, you can find us by searching Pool and Radio. And of course, the name of the show, Now for Someone Completely Interesting.